Good morning. Welcome to 1067 The Fan. Ben Standig here. As we've been doing on these Saturdays on the regular of late, uh, I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic. Not Well, I guess I can't say not today because I, I will be doing that today if news were to require me to do so. Plus, my bosses who pay me over there would like me to continue to work for them no matter what. But today, until 1245, I'm with you here on 106.7 The Fan and the Odyssey app talking about all the teams that you care about in this town. Excited to be here with you. I've got Caitlin, as usual, behind the glass, making sure I don't go off the rails. So wish her luck on that. Um, a lot to get into. Like, legitimately a lot. Like, sometimes we have to say that to make it sound like there's something to discuss. No, there's a lot to get into. Obviously, because of my... Well, first of all, there's the... You know, I, I, college basketball is a little bit more on the back burner for me these days, but we are in March Madness officially. The tournaments are here. Unfortunately, Maryland got knocked out yesterday in the Big Ten uh, tournament, but they will be moving on to the NCAAs. Patrick Ewing, though, gets fired this week from Georgetown. We're going to talk about both of those situations at 11 o'clock with my guys Brian McNally and Bobby Bancroft uh, discuss that. We'll also at uh, 10.30, we'll get in a lot of commander stuff, what to, what to consider for them heading into free agency, which essentially begins on Monday. That's when the legal tampering window is. We'll get into that. Well, the latest on ownership with our guy Al Galdi from the Al Galdi podcast will join me at 10.30. And then at 9.30, Doug Farrar, uh, does a great job covering the league overall for the USA Today Network. He will join me uh, to discuss free agency and, of course, that massive, massive NFL trade that happened last night. The NFL trade that we're going to talk about here in a second because it has nothing to do with the Washington Commanders. And, of course, you don't always have to just talk about them. But it is interesting to see other teams that are in this need for a quarterback. What are they doing to address it? Washington, as we know, has effectively decided they're going to lean into Sam Howell, their fifth-round pick from last year, as that guy. And that seems like a completely reasonable thought based on where they're at. The 16th pick, that's a little bit far away to trade up. We kind of get a feeling that the, the budget is being tightened a little bit, so they weren't really in the mix for the Derek Cars of the world. But there were a lot of other teams that need quarterbacks, as we know, that they were positioned to get them. Ironically, the Chicago Bears, the team that finished with the number one overall pick, not necessarily one of those teams. They have Justin Fields. They drafted him uh, in 2021. He, he last year rushed for over 1,000 yards, of course, set the record for quarterbacks that's really fun but it's not necessarily what you're looking for out of that position you want them to be able to be a consistent if not dynamic passer he's still working on that but okay they've decided that after two years they're going to make they see enough to move forward with him so they're going to trade out of the number one pick and then the question became well who would be that team to move up we don't have to guess anymore the answer the charlotte uh, oh, sorry, the Carolina Panthers, Charlotte. I got my NBA brain on there for half a second. Apologies for that. The Carolina Panthers moved up, and they moved up in a big, big way. They didn't just trade the, the ninth pick and a little bit extra to <clears throat> to get there. They went hard. They traded 
a second round pick as well this year. They traded a number one and a number two next year. They traded a number two beyond that. And wide receiver DJ Moore, of course, from the University of Maryland, who, uh, like like Terry McLaurin last year, he signed a new extension uh, reflecting his status in this league as one of the better receivers. All of that went to Chicago. And I want to talk about more about the Chicago and the Carolina aspects, the motivations behind this. What do we think of each side's deal here? But as I was thinking about this last night, I, I began to contemplate a different team that was affected by this. Not either of those teams, but rather the team that has been connected to Washington for the last year because of the Carson Wentz trade, and that is the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, as you may recall, Colts owner Jim Mersey has had a few things to say about their quarterback situation over the last year. Even before they traded Carson Wentz away, having acquired him the year before for a first-round pick, the owner was was pretty uh, adamant about not only was they got to get rid of Carson Wentz because effectively Carson Wentz was the reason that everything fell apart for them, which you can debate that if you would like. Again, I, I don't really care anymore. <laughs> um, but once it became – but then this year, even without Carson Wentz, the Colts, you know, they went the Matt Ryan route – Year over year, they keep trying to get, uh, trying to figure out their quarterback situation ever since Andrew Luck retired. And they're kind of in the same boat like Washington and other teams. Every year, it's basically a new plan. Sometimes it worked when you had a Phillip Rivers. Sometimes it didn't when you had Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan. And it became pretty obvious that they were going to solve this problem one way or the other. Or I should say address the problem. We have no idea if any of these quarterbacks will work out until they play a game or two or you know a season or two. But the Colts were going to address it and do it in a long-term way. They didn't seem to be in the mix for like a Derek Carr. They were going to go find a long-term answer at quarterback. And when the season ended, they had the fourth pick in the draft. Now, fourth pick isn't meaning you're, you know, for a quarterback, if there's somebody who's really, really good, they're probably going to go, you know, first or second, or maybe there's two players and they go first and second or first and third. So at four, you're not definitively guaranteed to get one of those players you may want the most. But it's not far away. In fact, when the, once the season ended, and once we kind of got a feeling that the Bears would trade out of one, the logical trade partner was with the Colts at four. Because the Bears could then trade down, get uh, still get a, a, a really good defensive player perhaps, add some picks, and you know, maybe even trade down again, but at least at that minimum get that while still having their quarterback in fields, and the Colts could move up and get whoever they see get quarterback. Except now the Panthers have made that move. So the Panthers will take a quarterback first. Now we don't know if it's Bryce Young or CJ Stroud or Anthony Richardson. Guess it could be Will Levis. All four of those quarterbacks, depending on what you're looking for and what your evaluation is, could be worthy of being maybe not necessarily the first pick, but a top four or five pick. Especially, you know, Richardson blew up at the combine crazy display of athleticism for a big guy with, with speed. It, it blew, it blew some minds for sure. And perhaps that's what Carolina is looking to do here. We'll find out. But here's the thing with the Colts by this trade, they are in an absolute bind. Now you wouldn't think so again, picking four, you're not that far away. There will only be, you know, I can do the math. Only three other players will have been picked at that point when they go at four. So you would think that, 
they should have a pretty good shot of getting maybe not the first quarterback they want, maybe not even the second. But now they may not even get the third quarterback they want. Here's why I mean this. So the second pick is the Houston Texans, division rival to the Colts. Now, Houston is another team that, of course, has not had a quarterback uh, in some time. They you know, they had Deshaun Watson, uh, moved on from him, obviously. There is maybe a question with the, with the Texans, if with a brand-new coach, if they decide, hey, we're going to continue to rebuild and wait for 2024 to take our quarterback because you've got some better uh, prospects, guys like Caleb Williams, obviously a local kid here who just won the Heisman Trophy. But okay, well, let's just say that Houston's going to take a quarterback here. Seems logical that they would. You're, you're picking second. You have no idea what tomorrow's going to bring. Caleb Williams, something could happen, or who knows? You're sitting there right now, take a quarterback. And there's no way Indianapolis could offer the sun and the moon, or is it the stars and the moon? Well, whatever it is, they could offer all that, and the Texans are still not going to say it to their division foe, yeah, we'll make this trade for you for a quarterback. So now we're at the third pick, the Arizona Cardinals. Now, everybody's going to know at this point the Colts are going to want a quarterback. So if you're some team behind the Colts who is thinking about quarterback, you know what you have to do. You have to jump to three to to to, to, to beat them. Now, why would the Cardinals? The Cardinals could just sit there and take Will Anderson, the edge rusher from Alabama, and be very happy. But they could also move down a little bit, get a different edge rusher, and add on picks, right? Seattle at five. I know they just signed Geno Smith, but that's a short-term answer. Could they decide they want a long-term answer? I, I think they could. The Raiders at seven. They just moved on from Derek Carr. Uh, it could be other teams. Yeah, Atlanta at eight. They don't have a definitive answer at quarterback. And then, of course, there's always the possibility of a team picking outside the top ten. Says we've got to go do something. So all of a sudden, the Colts are in a situation where with the fourth pick, they may not get better than the third best quarterback on their board and possibly the fourth if a team jumps them. That is absolutely wild for a team that like, I don't know what the Colts offer was to Carolina or or to Chicago or even if they had definitely made one at this point. But their owner... Seemed to be as impatient, if not more, than even Carolina's owner, David Tepper, who also was somebody we knew was desperate to, to address his quarterback situation. And they paid a lot to do it in Carolina. But at least, say whatever you want, they've got that, they're in that situation. And the Colts, after all this time of discussing that they were going to be the team who may be the aggressive one, and now they're kind of stuck. Again, they may love all four of these quarterbacks. They may be absolutely content to stay at four and get whoever is there, if it's Will Levis or Anthony Richardson, whomever it may be. But to not, at picking at four, to not have potentially a, a shot at your first three uh, candidates at a single position is absolutely wild. I mean, I, I don't think there's been ever three quarterbacks picked one, two, three, let alone one, two, three, four. But I think it's absolutely in play this year, assuming that the Cardinals are willing to trade down for, you know, that some team is o- open to offering them a deal uh, that I don't think will, you know, they're willing to either potentially lose Will Anderson or get him a, a couple of picks later. And that is just an unbelievable spot for the Colts to be in, which does bring up one other intriguing scenario for them. Could they go a different direction and sit there at four and say, you know what? Hey, Baltimore, Lamar Jackson, he, you gave him the franchise tag. We can, uh, 
we can make him an offer and you guys have to match it. All right. Well, maybe we do that. And if, and if now they can negotiate in, in advance, they don't have to just go with the, the two first round picks that, that, that comes with the tag, but it could do something like that. That costs them a ton of money though. And that's a di- very different deal than what they were looking at. The Colts somehow became the team to me that got put in the most precarious position of having nothing with not even being involved in this trade that we're going to talk about later with at nine 30 with Doug Farrar about that really a fascinating deal. And I can't wait to talk more about this, including from the Carolina and Chicago perspective. But of course, we'll talk a ton about free agency, the commanders going into next week. What can we expect out of them? And again, college basketball, the wizards and a bunch more, uh, Ben standing here with you until 1245 here on one Oh six, seven, the fan. All right, welcome back to 106.7 The Fan. Ben Standig here with you until 1245. If I didn't say it in the last segment, of course, you can listen on the radio or the Odyssey app. Always free download that. Uh, and, of course, call in 800-636-1067. 800-636-1067. Uh, definitely have a, a, a big chunk of time uh, after we talked to Doug Farrar about free agency and that big NFL trade yesterday, uh, we're, we're talking to him at 930. Um, what, we've got a lot to discuss, as I said, commanders, free agency, that trade. If you want to even get into some college basketball stuff, uh, we can do that as well. The Wizards played in loss last night. I've got thoughts on that as well. Right now, though, uh, let me put a pause in or put a pin in the conversation about that trade from yesterday because we've got a caller on the line here. Shane in D.C. wants to talk about quarterbacks in this draft. Shane, thanks for joining us this morning. Hey, thanks for, thanks for having me. First-time caller on your show. Uh, doing a great job, by the way. Here's the thing, man. Everybody's talking about the two quarterbacks, the two quarterbacks, but there's another quarterback out there nobody's talking about, Hennon Hooker. Uh, he beat Bryce Young head-to-head. He was actually the favorite to win the Heisman uh, before uh, the South Carolina game, which was a debacle. But if you look at his numbers, he actually uh, beat Levisette, Kentucky. He, his numbers were fantastic all year long. And people don't realize he was playing for a national championship as well. Uh, you know, uh, nobody's talking about him in this draft. I know he got hurt. and But, you know, he, he, he's a local kid, uh, went to Virginia Tech. His story's amazing. So I think that uh, he's going to be the, still this draft. Uh, he's, he's accurate as can be, and he's mobile. And he's smart, you know. He, he's an older quarterback, and he's smart. Yeah, look, I think I think Hendon Hooker is one of the more fascinating players in this draft. That's not relevant to the what we were discussing earlier about being, you know, a top five pick. Obviously, and you're not saying that either. Um, but where he goes, that will be will be really interesting. You're not wrong. He had a Heisman Trophy winning start to his season. He was had Tennessee in the mix to be. Uh, in the national championship conversation, at least playoff conversation, but he then suffers a torn ACL in November and misses the year. And obviously injuries are, you know, you take that. If you're a NFL team evaluating players, you got to look at that. Um, you know, especially for a mobile quarterback like that, what is this going to mean for his um, future here? Not that he can't play anymore, but you know, is there any limitations or the concerns? Is, you know, is he an injury risk? What have you? But the added element here is Hendon Hooker is not a baby coming into this league. Um, He is 25 years old. Now, don't get me wrong. As a person who is a 
older than that, we'll just say. 25 sounds amazing. Your whole life's ahead of you. And he will be drafted by an NFL team, possibly on day two. And he could be, as the caller just said, a steal of this draft. But at 25, you're kind of looking, not that players don't improve all the way out through their 20s and and so on, but, you know, you obviously have less time to, uh, you know, to, to play with this uh, prospect than you do with some others. Uh, you know, the other quarterbacks in this draft at the top are, you know, fairly young. Bryce Young, 21 years old. That is a, you know, you don't have to be a math genius to do that kind of a calculation. That's a four-year difference that you're 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 getting here with with Hooker. You know, you, even if he works out, it's going to be less time that you're going to have him at some sort of you know good or peak level compared to the other. So he'll be such a fascinating prospect to see uh, when you get past these top four quarterbacks, who again could go in the first four picks or at least probably top you know ten, eight to ten somewhere in that range. I don't think there will be another quarterback picked. But then it gets a little bit murkier as who is the fifth player. Um, Tanner McKee from Stanford is somebody that's mentioned a bit. Hooker is someone else who is mentioned. There could be some others uh, as well, depending on your board and what you're looking at, your team structure. Uh, But I think Hendon Hooker is definitely somebody we're going to be talking about. And in terms of Washington, I don't see them drafting a quarterback day one or day two. Obviously, I don't see them drafting one at 16. I don't even see them doing that in day two. I guess there's a world where they just absolutely love somebody and decide, you know, maybe in free agency they didn't get the veteran that they they, they had hoped for. But that I would think day three is more likely for them to add that third quarterback. Uh, and then from there, the, lo- the list of options is even pretty deeper. Uh, before we go to break, Randall in Mechanicsville is on the line about a possible Cardinals trade. I talked about this in the first segment. Randall, what's on your mind here on 106.7 The Fan? Yes, sir. I love the show. Um, yeah, it, to me, every it seems it seems lately with the Cardinals and Kyler Murray. Not lately; it's been the last year. It just doesn't seem to be clicking personality wise, playing wise. They're always just different. And I've thought about it. I know it could be far fetched, and I know he's coming off an ACL, but the possibility of the Cardinals saying, "You know what? Let's start from scratch again. Let's trade Kyler. Try to get farther up the board." and try to get the quarterback of the future, or if Baltimore is feeling crazy enough, swap Lamar and Kyler, and maybe the Cardinals have to put in a little extra since Kyler, again, is injured. But I just I, I could see the Cardinals saying, you know, Kyler, it's been cool, it's been fun, but things just don't seem to be clicking with us as an organization or with you, and let's just move on. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I don't – I mean, look, from a personality standpoint, that could be absolutely – True. Now, of course, the Cardinals shook up their whole structure, new GM, new coach. So we'll see how they get going with Kyler Murray, who seemed to have some issues with whether it was his former coach, Cliff Kingsbury, or other aspects of the Cardinals hierarchy last year, uh, you know, with that whole contract thing and having to have these, uh, you know, he had to like do homework. <laughs> Part of the contract was in there, which, which got out and became a, a topic. The problem with Kyler Murray is he signed this massive extension uh, last year and the doing so the, the contract value 230 million for a deal that extends through 2028. According to the, the salary cap website over the cap, his, the dead money hit on this deal for this year for Kyler Murray 
I, I, it almost seems like this can't be an accurate number. 96.5 million. We talked last year about Carson Wentz being like, you know, 28.3. It was like, oh, look at that. Look at that uh, expense Washington is taking on. 96.5 million. And then it, it, it drops from there, but the cap number, and the cap number this year isn't that big, but next year the cap number balloons to 51 million and it stays over 43 for the duration of the contract. I don't think Kyler Murray is movable at this point beyond the fact of the injury. So they're going to have to weigh that out. I think for the Cardinals, this is like something of a, it's not a rebuild, but like a reboot kind of a season. New coach, new structure. Find the pieces that can help you when Kyler gets ready to come back, whether that's this year or not, and then kind of go from there. Uh, I, so I just don't think it's even conceivable that they could trade him at this point. But I think they are now the team that is in the driver's seat with regards to this draft. If Carolina's taking a quarterback at one and Houston at two, the draft effectively starts at three now with the Cardinals. That makes it a lot of fun for sure. Uh, also a lot of fun start of free agency is next week. How involved will Washington be and who are some possible targets for them? And what about the, the bigger names overall to watch? And, of course, this trade. We'll get into all that next here on 106.7 The Fan. But right now, we're going to talk about broadly the NFL, that massive trade last night between Carolina and Chicago involving the number one overall pick in the draft, plus free agency effectively starts on Monday with the legal tampering period, one of my one of the favorite terms out there, and nobody better than to discuss all that with than our next guest. He is Doug Farrar, of course, a, a, a real interesting thinker on all things NFL. Uh, and, of course, uh, works for the USA Today Sports Media Group. Doug, thank you so much for the time and getting up so early with us. Uh, how are you doing? Were you able to get to sleep last night after that insane trade? Uh, yeah, thanks, Ben. A little bit. I woke up at 4.30 this morning, Pacific time. I'm in Seattle and finished my DJ Moore tape expedition, which I'm putting in a piece today. And I've come to the conclusion that DJ Moore is an elite receiver who should be able to sue his previous quarterbacks at a uh, Andre Johnson and Allen Robinson level. It was bad. It was really, really bad. And the fact that he was able to catch as many deep passes as uh, – A.J. Brown and Stephon Diggs with that mess shows you, I mean, I, I know that D.J. Moore was kind of a deal-breaker for the Bears, and you can see why. Um, I think he would have been, had he been available in free agency, he would have been the number one receiver there, and he would have been the number one receiver in the draft class. So um, when we look at what the Bears got in return for the, you know, the, the first overall pick, they say, well, they really only essentially got one first-round pick in the deal. I would argue that DJ Moore is the second first-round pick. So that's what I've been doing this morning. How about you? <laughs> well, that that's a good way to, to spend the morning. And and you know, you're 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 right about that. Like, uh, you know, we went through this in Washington, you know, a decade ago when, of course, Washington traded a whole bunch of picks to move up to the, to number two in the 2012 draft to get Robert Griffin III. And that first year, right. it looked like, hey, Washington did a great deal. This guy is the next great thing. And then a couple years later, everybody starts making fun of Washington because, oh, the Rams clearly got the better end of the deal based on all the picks they got in RG3 sliding. And then at the end of the day, the Rams didn't get a ton out of it either. So you never know how these things will work. But DJ Moore is tangible. He has already shown to be one of the better receivers in the league. And I do think that is a really interesting point. So to that end... For Carolina to get, they, they wanted to get a quarterback. They're in position to do so. 
if the quarterback turns into a star, the price is fine. But what do you think right now in terms of what they paid, knowing the overall landscape, what do you think of the cost that it, it, it for them to get that first pick? Well, it's pretty much equivalent to what the 49ers did to go up from, what, 12 to 3 to get Trey Lance. And Trey Lance had started at a kind of mid-major college. He hadn't played a lot. He sat out that year for the most part. So he was a lot more of a undefined – I mean, I loved his tape. I compared him to like an embryonic Steve McNair. I, I thought he was great. But you did, there's a lot of stuff you didn't know. And unfortunately, because of injuries, there's a lot of stuff you still don't know. And by the way, that's not RG3's fault. If Haloti not a lands on you, you're going to get hurt. That's just the way it is. And if you play in the 2012 turf at, at FedEx Field, that's not going to help your cause either. There is, a, I, I'll never forget, outside of what Tony Siragusa did to Rich Gannon in that one playoff game, that was the worst, like, just house of a person just demolishing a smaller quarterback. That was, ouch. Um, not to traumatize your listeners with that whole thing again. Yeah, as far as what they, and based on, what Frank Reich said at the Combine based on Reich's history of the kinds of quarterbacks he likes. In Indianapolis, they went from Phillip Rivers to Carson Wentz, you'll pardon the expression, to Matt Ryan. What does Frank Reich like? He likes guys who can stand tall in the pocket, make pinpoint throws, throw guys open, get the whole process together. Not that Bryce Young can't, but I wrote a piece about this yesterday. The more you connect the dots the more it looks like, I think they went, and people are saying, well, it could be, it could be Strauber kind of looking at it. And, you know, the Panthers might trade down to two and we control this whole thing. If you, I mean, when the Niners moved up, it wasn't for Mac Jones or anybody else. They wanted Trey Lance. So when you throw that kind of capital at it, as you pointed out with the Ben Redskins, they didn't, I mean, they knew they weren't going to get Andrew Luck. They wanted RG3. They wanted that franchise-defining quarterback. So when you give up this kind of haul, including your best offensive player, since they traded Christian McCaffrey as well in season, um, you're doing it to get the guy you think will define your franchise for the next five to ten years. Um, In this, I think Young and Stroud both have the characteristics to be that type of quarterback. But I think Stratt, especially with the mobility he showed in the uh, semifinal against Georgia, which we really hadn't seen before, and all of a sudden he's zinging stuff from outside the pocket, and we're all looking at you and like, where was this kid your whole career? Right. Good thing you got it in your last game. Um, I think it's Stroud. It could be either Young or Stroud. The report that David Tepper, the owner, wants Young, and everyone else wants Stroud. Um, by the way, you can go on YouTube, and uh, Josh McCown, who's another Panthers quarterbacks coach, uh, does a thing with uh, Josh Norris from Underdog Fantasy where he has scouted both Young and Stroud. He did 24 minutes on Young. He did like 37 minutes on Stroud. I'm, I'm not, you know, so I'm not saying he likes one more than the other, but he went a little deeper on Stroud, and maybe there's a little more there. Again, I think both are fantastic quarterbacks. I think they're moving up to get Stroud. We're talking with Doug Farrar. He's at NFL underscore Doug Farrar, F-A-R-R-A-R on Twitter. A great follow. Knows his stuff, obviously, as you can tell from here. He's a he's also an MVP voter, which I'm very jealous of. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I th- you're doing that. I, I kind of sweated that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm very jealous. I'm very uh, with, much with you, though, on the idea of CJ uh, CJ Stroud. But what's interesting, to flip it to the other way for the Bears – we, it became obvious they were going to trade this pick. They're in a unique situation to have the number one pick, but also have a quarterback in Justin Fields that they feel is like their building block there. 
But and it would be impossible to argue that they should not have made this trade based on the haul that they received. But they are also now definitively saying they're all in on Justin Fields, uh, at least for now. I mean, next year they could do something different. Now they have a big haul to do more stuff. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not that sold on Justin Fields. Obviously, he had a really good year as as a runner, but as a passer, he still has a ways to go. They do help him out now a lot with with DJ Moore. Get more other picks they can use for players. Where are you at on the Bears now at all of this? Huge haul, but now they're in on this quarterback who I, I think there's still a bit of a jury still out on, uh, at least to me. Yeah, there's a lot there's a lot of pieces there. It's funny, I was at Jalen Carter's podium at the combine when the news broke like 15 minutes before he was supposed to speak. The second that happened, there was no way the Bears were not going to trade that pick. Because Carter, to me, just on the field, is by far the best prospect in this class. And there was a way to say, well, Matt Everflew head coach, defensive guy. Maybe he wants to go get his DeForest Buckner, which Carter could be. Uh, but the second that happened and there were questions anywhere near Jalen Carter, the Bears were going to trade out. Because the thing about Fields is 2021, his rookie year was a waste year because, hello, Matt Nagy. That old that was that was awful. It was one of the worst quarterback coach pairings I've ever seen. Right up there with John Elway and Dan Reeves and uh, Rob Boris and Jared Goff. Um, so essentially, 2022 was his rookie season. His primary receiver was Darnell Mooney. No offense to Darnell Mooney. That's not you know Cole Komet, Equiminius. These are not guys who are going to scare you. The thing he now has with uh, with DJ Moore is a guy who can. I mean, I. I I'm putting up one play on this tape piece I'm publishing later this morning where he, the Buccaneers are playing cover three and he turns Jamel D inside out and he still has to stop because Sam Donald threw this helium ball under pressure from Vita Vea. Jamel Dean in my list of the best free agents in the upcoming class is number two behind Javon Hargrave. He is a, he's a pro bowl level corner and DJ Moore turned this dude out. There are examples all over the tape of deep stuff route awareness, understanding how to get open in zones. And the thing about Fields is he has a deep ball that creates separation. Moore has never had that before. I mean, in his rookie season, he had the one year of kind of good Cam Newton, and there was injured Cam Newton, and then it turned, just, turned into a circus. But Fields has, you know, he's, he's starting to get things on the ball, but, you know, the offensive line is a problem. And, you can only make so many excuses for a quarterback. At some point, a great quarterback has to elevate beyond his circumstances. But I would argue that field circumstances have been so bad that really 2022 was his rookie year. He was adjusting to a new system. You saw a bit of progress in the second half of the season. So, and, and the question I'm asking in my article is, what can the Bears do with DJ Moore? We don't know yet. But this certainly, from an upside perspective, this is the best quarterback DJ Moore has ever had, and this is the best receiver Justin Fields has certainly had in his uh, brief NFL career. So you know, the book is not out on Justin Fields yet. Now, if you know, if uh, if this season proves to be in the similar problems as you said, then you'll up and get Caleb Williams or Drake May or whoever is QB one in the draft class. They they have the weight to pull that off. So, and, you know, they have all kinds of needs. They have the gross national product of France and cap space, like $75 million. Uh, they can still be big spenders in free agency even after this deal. So the Bears are in an ideal position for a team that needs talent just about everywhere. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. I mean, and obviously, you know, they'll still have, they'll have the ninth pick. They can use that on an offensive lineman. 
Maybe go crazy with B. John Robinson, the running back from Texas. They'll help. DJ Moore will help. It'll be interesting to see uh, what they can 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 do. Uh, well, more I gave time. Johnson to my, uh, just, I gave him Johnson in my latest mock. I've given them Johnson in a couple of mocks where I've had them trade down. He would be a great fit. Paris Johnson, the tackle from uh, Ohio yeah. State. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no doubt, no, no doubt about that. Um, we'll have more time to talk about the draft. So let's shift to free agency, which starts effectively on Monday. It's the legal tampering period. Wednesday, deals become uh, official. Uh, Lamar Jackson will be part of this conversation, but for argument's sake here, we'll we'll sort of put him in a different category. Um, I don't know. I want to ask you about Orlando Brown, the left tackle from the Chiefs, uh, Kansas City. I think to maybe to some degree surprise some people by announcing they were going to, after using the franchise tag, tag on him last year, that they weren't going to use a second one. Uh, obviously, the price gets gets pretty out of hand, and they're going to let him test free agency with the hope, perhaps, of still keeping him. With Washington, I don't see them being big spenders in free agency, but they definitely need offensive line, and obviously Eric Bieniemy is here. I'm curious what you think about the Orlando Brown market, because obviously Kansas City being the team that they are, that isn't just simply, well, if we lose this guy, we move on. They would have to get a, another left tackle to help Patrick Mahomes. And so he could be a pretty pivotal player for the NFL this year with free agency. Where are you at with Orlando Brown's market? How do you kind of see this one uh, unfolding? Well, he's an interesting guy. I mean, he was in Baltimore, and he had been mostly a right tackle, and he kind of subbed for Ronnie Stanley that last year was there. Um, you know that, since it's right up the street, kind of. Um, and then you got that. You know, he goes to the Chiefs in the trade, and I, you know, when the Chiefs offered him that deal and he refused it, and then he got tagged, I went back and looked at his tape from 2021. He gave up six sacks in that season, and each one of those six sacks, he got beaten in the back half of the arc. He is, he, you know, what, what I mean is, it, when an edge rusher goes around you like that to the pocket, he's really good in the first half. The second half, it gets a little weird. This is also true of Andrew Wiley, the right tackle. I, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the Chiefs have two new offensive tackles when, uh, when the 2023 season starts. If I were to say of the top, you know, where would I rate Orlando Brown? I would put him in the mid-teens. I don't think he's like a top 10 offensive tackle. I think he's pretty good in the run game. I think he's pretty good in the passing game. He's a serviceable guy, but would I give him a top five market deal? Uh and this is not a great – I mean, all of the – Jawan Taylor and all the other tackles in this freeze, they all sort of have issues, whereas the tackle class in the draft is fascinating. So – and I know I, I have mocked corner, whatever cornerback is available to the commanders um, when they show up. But, you know, if uh, an Anton Harrison from Oklahoma, who I think is the most slept-on tackle in this class um, – you know, they've got more options than, you know, would it, I think some tackle desperate team is going to perhaps overpay Orlando Brown a bit. And it's not an overpayment if you have a franchise left tackle who is just that rock every game. Um, but with Brown, you know, there's some variance in his play. So I would be a little bit worried about that. Um, yeah, that's going to be a fascinating one to watch. Again, I don't really think Washington's in the play for him because of the money, but we'll see what happens with him in general uh, overall. They've got 15, over 15 million cap space right now. I don't know if they have guys that can adjust out of that, but um, that would be, 
he would be getting more than $15 million a year, so that might be a problem. <laughs> right. Plus, I just don't know where Dan Snyder is with putting that kind of uh, guaranteed money into escrow these days. Um, yeah, I don't know where Dan Snyder is with anything these days. <laughs> nor, nor do you. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're all in the same boat uh, there. Um, last question for you. Defensive tackle market, I think, is going to be really fascinating this year. There are yeah. players who are flat-out free agents like Javon Hargrave, who's arguably you know one of the top three or four players in free agency. But then you have a lot of guys like a Chris Jones with Kansas City, who is poised, who's under contract, but poised to get a new deal. Of course, locally, Deron Payne was on, placed on the on the franchise tag. We'll see how that unfolds. What's your view of that market and the money that we could be looking at uh, for some of these guys, including Payne, if they're actually you know allowed to sign a or you know ultimately sign a multi year deal? Yeah, I was a little uh, annoyed with the commanders because I had done my free agent list and Deron Payne was number three behind Hargrave and Jamel Dean. He's number three overall. He's, you, you know this. He's a monster. Um, it's a really interesting class. As, as weak as it, the free agent class, as weak as it is in some positions like tackle and offensive tackle and quarterback, it is very. I'm, I'm doing a piece like, like the, the hidden gems. Um, and I've got four edge rushers on there. I've got two or three defensive tackles. So if you need line help on, on that side of the ball, um, you're going to be able to pick off some real bargains. I think it's a very, very deep class. Now, Javon Hargrave is going to get $20 million a year, and he's going to earn it. That is my number one free agent. I think he is a. I think he should be in discussion with Aaron Donald and Chris Jones and whoever else. I, I think he's that good. Um, you can say, yes, he was helped by the system. Well, he helped the system, and he was almost as good in Pittsburgh. So um, I think if that's what you need, um, you know, especially at, at edge, it's a really deep fruit. And you've got these guys who are discovered, like uh, Justin Houston, uh, 12 sacks last year. Like, he's 33. Um, Yankee Gakwe, who's been with five teams in four years. I don't know the, the behind-the-scenes interpersonal stuff, but that guy can get it done. He's going to be 28. But the edge class especially, that might be the deepest part of the free agency class as far as not only top-tier guys, but guys later on you might be able to get on a one-year, you know, prove-it deal and just have them go hunt. So that if that's what you need, you're in pretty good shape. You're in pretty good shape as well if you're paying attention to everything that Doug Farrar is talking about with the NFL. Free agency is here. you got to get on top of it. At NFL underscore Doug Farrar. On Twitter, you can uh, read him uh, with the uh, USA Today Media Group. Doug, I appreciate the time early in the morning for you. Thanks so much. We'll uh, we'll see how this all unfolds. Yeah, thanks, man. Take care. All right. Uh, yeah, we've got plenty more to discuss with regards to the commanders as well as free agency. And we want your calls, 800-636-1067, 800-636-1067. Let's talk commanders, NFL draft, wizards, terps, whatever you got. Here on 106.7 The Fan. Hey, just a quick segment here. We'll get back into all things NFL free agency commanders at the top of the hour. Uh, We'll talk about uh, college basketball and the Wizards in the 11 o'clock hour. Uh, Fun conversation there with Doug Farrar and... You know, I really do think the defensive tackle market, Deron Payne is, I think, likely, if I had to bet right now, would stay, would play on the tag this year. But we'll see what happens here. You know, they Washington has until July to figure out a long-term deal with him. And, of course, this is where the new ownership situation comes into play. If a new owner comes in sooner than later, 
then th- that person may say, okay, tell me where we're at with, with Deron Payne. What's the market? So we need to pay attention here. If you're interested in keeping Deron Payne, what else is happening? Again, Javon Hargrave for Doug was the number one, is the number one free agent in this class. Chris Jones at Kansas City, not a free agent, but I but he's a due for a new deal. I somebody threw out to me he could be looking at like a $27 million annual salary. And they're not the only ones. There's several other players who are either free agents or will or are in that position to to get a new deal going into the last year of their contract. So I think that market is going to be huge, whether Jerron Payne is truly in it or not right now. At some point, if Washington is sincere about getting a long-term deal with him, they're going to be affected by whatever happens here in the next few days. Uh, We've got, as I said, more to discuss, and we want to hear from you at 800-636-1067. Now's the time to call in. We'll take your calls at the top of the hour. Uh, A wild, wild Saturday indeed. Ben standing with you until 1245 here on 1067 The Fan.